0: What if the whole time this has all been just like one long, like, Groundhog Day cycle?
1: What is Groundhog Day?
0: Can I talk about Groundhog Day? Thanks. What is
1: Groundhog Day?
0: Can I talk about Groundhog Day? Thanks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Come on. <laughs> anyway,
0: so if I can actually talk about Groundhog Day for a second, um, what it's
1: is mo- Groundhog Day. <laughs>
0: Waiting for the moment to change your lane, I
2: came home from the wasteland. Heroic and triumphant like a comic book girl, created out of nothing like a comic book girl, hey! Anyways, let's talk about this horrible, horrible book that we were forced to read this Mm -hmm. week.
1: Yeah, let's do
2: that. I feel like I say that a lot lately, but oh my god, please
0: it's just it's gonna get more intense from here on out i'm sorry to say i have
2: read ahead and the one where jake experiences like a vision of the future oh the one where he's morphing into himself on the cover <laughs> yes the one where he morphs to... it's funny because he doesn't even morph into himself that's just like a weird thing that happens <laughs> we gotta talk about this book i don't want to <laughs> but we have to <laughs> i had to summarize it too that was a lot so this week we read number 39 the hidden the which
0: ourselves
2: you want to take that again, pal? <laughs>
1: uh, our mics didn't quite pick up
2: we should, any of the up, words We should that introduce you said. ourselves. Oh yeah, we should introduce ourselves. <laughs> my name is Ersa Rin, and my fun fact this week is that... Was um, <laughs> that your water buffalo noise? Is that I can not only do impressions of humans, but also of animals, including a water buffalo.
0: Yeah, I can do three animal impressions, but they are specifically morning dove, guinea pig, and chickadee that wants to have sex.
2: Oh, I thought you were going to say morning dove, afternoon dove, and night dove. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> that would have been much funnier. <laughs> but actually, with mourning doves, it's the other kind of mourning. They're sad.
2: Morning doves, happy doves, and really just fine, dude, doves.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you want to hear my guinea pig impression?
2: No! <laughs> we
0: have to talk about the animorphs. <laughs> what if they morph guinea pigs? I can do a guinea pig impression. It's really loud. It goes, What?
2: I hate you. <laughs> I am going to talk about The Hidden, now that we've all introduced ourselves. Hello, Tia. What? I- hey! Excuse? Hey. <laughs> hey, I had no part in this. Uh, hi, I'm Parker Renvier. I'm here to kick fascists and play
1: video games, and my video game hasn't updated in, like, six months. Hey, devs? Hey, Lever Action? Get your act together. I bet they thought they were real funny when they named themselves something that acronyms to lag, but, like, it's getting tiring there's a pandemic on give me some content please anything i use she her pronouns i'm sorry i didn't mention that who are
0: you anyway my name is cassandra kelly i use she her pronouns my fun fact which parker has been bugging me about for a week because yes! i mentioned it offhandedly yes is that one time when i was little i played with three baby mountain lions yes. what mm-hmm. you tell us
1: the details cassandra tell us the details Oh okay. Or did you come no, okay, hold on one like hold a, a maniac
0: on. <laughs> Like I've mentioned, one of my moms is a biologist, specifically a botanist. She used to work for the government before we moved back in our home state. And um, they had like really low fundings. So for budget reasons, they had like a bunch of different agencies all in like one big cubicle farm building. So my mom worked for like the plant, wildlife, whatever agency. But in that building, they also had other agencies, including the one that handled like wildlife. And that was also the place that handled hunting permits. So this farmer came to them and was like, hey, a mountain lion is killing my goats. Can I kill a mountain lion? And they were like, yeah, sure. And so he killed the mountain lion and the government scientists had to go look at the mountain lion to see if it like, it had rabies, blah, 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 whatever. And they found signs that the mountain lion, uh, she was female and she had recently been nursing. So they were like, oh crap, now we have to go find her babies. Um, so everyone trekked around the countryside for like a day and they found the babies and there were three of them. They did not have a space for the baby mountain lions. So all of the biologists looked at each other and shrugged and took the baby mountain lions back to the office oh my god my mother was like oh i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna invite my like four year old daughter and her also four year old friend to come play with these three wild baby mountain
1: lions so
0: there are pictures i did play with them i
1: didn't know that you were four during this you just told me that you got to play with some mountain lions
2: that is so adorable that's an excellent story thank you for sharing i love imagining you lion king style rolling around with a bunch of like (laughs) cubs that's so adorable we're not talking about mountain lions this week we're talking about water buffalo which are not similar at all but they are animals so that's my transition <laughs> i have the synopsis this week if you would like me to read it to you so the animorphs daily plans grind to a halt when their greatest strength becomes their newest weakness the yerks have recovered the helmicron sensor from their tiny ship and though before it may have seemed mostly harmless the ability to not only locate the scaffold device but the animorphs and acts when they morph becomes an immediate threat. In an all out mad dash, Cassie simply starts running with the blue box, but after hiding in the car with her mother, is forced to abandon her at the gardens and escapes by morphing a water buffalo in a van. The pair break loose and cause enough havoc to escape, but not enough to indefinitely escape the sensor's reach. The buffalo has gained the morphing power and acquired Chapman accidentally. This complicates the Animorph's efforts to escape the helicopter. After a grueling pursuit, the anamorphs lead the helicopter over the water and attempt to drop Cassie on top of it using the bird-human whale trick, and she almost dies in the process. Instead, a-, a poor bird gets caught in the helicopter, which causes it to crash, and the anamorphs escape this incident with their lives and the scaffold device safe once again.
1: It did occur to me that she uses the same bird-to-person-to-whale trick that she did in that other one. Yeah, that like becomes sort a few of weeks a- ago.
2: an unfortunate trend for them. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, it's not a trend unless they do it three times, right? I guess that's true. Well, also, what's different is that the Animorphs weren't hiding in her mouth this time.
1: <laughs> they mentioned this plan in the context of, like, the classic Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner bits, and, like, they kept referring to, you know, dropping an anvil on the helicopter, and, I, I mean, they do not make it clear at all what they are planning to drop. I thought they were gonna do some, like, like, there was a, a, a good number of weeks ago they dropped some, like, fishing weights on some people's heads from really high up, and then that knocks them out via cranial trauma, and I figured they were gonna do that again, but no, Cassie was just like, I'm gonna put my entire body on
2: this helicopter,
1: <laughs> causing it to crash and burst into flames. I
2: honestly recession. had no idea what they were gonna do. I was like, y'all are dead. This is where it ends. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, really.
1: Maybe if she'd gotten the buffalo uh, the book calls it the Buffalo human, but I'm gonna call it the chapmanalo. Maybe no! if they'd gotten the chapmanalo to like like if she'd like gotten it to and they carried it over and dropped it in the helicopter, like that would have do enough, but Buffman.
2: <laughs> the Buffa Human. Uh I think the chapmanalo is better personally. I hate the buffet human. It, it haunts my nightmares. I, I hate it too. It sucks. Okay, so <laughs> so let's talk about this. Let's talk about this situation that happens. Like, okay,
1: so you know me. You know that I have a Cassie Tier, like, I love an animal. Animals are very good. Mm-hmm.
2: They should have left it behind.
1: They should have killed mm-hmm. it
2: immediately or left it behind or something like that. Should we start off talking about the, the buffet human? Because that's what I wanted to talk about the most.
0: <laughs> or, like, the most humane, humane option I can think of in this situation, which is not feasible because they're running from the Yerks the whole time, would be to like somehow get it to acquire like a slightly different buffalo and Nothlet into that buffalo.
1: Yeah, that would have been good if they if they could do that, but...
0: I totally don't blame them.
1: Okay. <sighs> I have questions about this book. Ask away. So, where do we start? I guess <laughs> I want start... to start... <laughs> If you want to start the buffer human, we could do that. Uh, something I mean, like okay, so let's address the reason that they can't just put the buffer human somewhere and just keep it, right? Or they're like also, they're running for their
2: lives, and they're running for their
1: lives because the Yerks are pursuing them because they are tracking quote morphing energy that the yes. Helicron sensors can detect. What is this morphing energy? Why have we never heard about it before? Why doesn't have Axe about, it. about it?
2: Well, when? No, because that's what... It, it's the... I don't think there's, like, morphing energy. I think it's whatever is used to power the scaffold device. Well, but we don't know what that is. No, we don't. But the Helmicron sensor was able to pick it up because they knew it was a source of a ton of energy so they could power their ship.
1: So any given person who's in morph gives off this energy constantly like a heat signature. Yes. So could you just use somebody in morph to power a ship?
2: It's probably just way less.
1: What I'm saying is that Axe has not, Axe has our sort of window into the alien
2: science world. Has
1: not elucidated to be what exactly this morphic energy is and therefore I'm very sort of skeptical of it.
2: Well, I actually was thinking about a similar topic this week, which was like, I'm curious why the morphing technology was created in the first place like i'm curious when the andalites were designing weaponry to be used in this war against the yurks why they decided to go with like this really specific technology because i mean it was developed as a weapon at first so why did they go with this i don't know it's just weird you know like you could do a billion other things you could just design like i mean they try designing viruses which are obviously very effective but like
1: they are very good at it,
2: yeah. <laughs> what about like, I don't know, invisibility or like <laughs> yeah, it just seems really strange. So I'm also I'm just I wonder, like I don't know what specific kind of energy they need to create the like morphing process, but maybe it just has something to do with z space because they're you're kind of like folding over Z space just like a tiny little bit in order to make this happen.
1: yeah, like we know. Uh, According to the sort of, like, the way that it's been described to us, and according to, like, the bits that we've been able to see in which they go into Z-space, like, we've had, or at least for a while, I have had, like, a pretty, a pretty functional working definition of how morphing works, which is that your excess body mass goes into Z-space, or you pull extra mass from Z-space in, Mm -hmm. but, like... But now this morphic energy comes in and like it just hasn't appeared anywhere else in the sort of like the literature that I have read, which is literally just these books. I haven't done any research. In yeah, I was going to say, where else have you looked? No, I'm so, super lazy.
2: Are you like are you proposing that you think something else is happening here? Wait, do we think this book is real?
1: <laughs> well,
0: I mean, I'm willing to accept it more or less. Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I think so. I think it's very possible that they narrowly avoided detection. I think Parker's just questioning the methods that the Yerks used, which mm-hmm. I mean, if the Helmicrons found the blue box in the first place, why wouldn't they be able to why would the Yerks be able to just use that same technology in order to find it again?
1: Well, it's not about the blue box, though. It's about the fact that they create like, is th- that they can sense anybody who's in morph. And so that creates a couple situations in this journal wherein the Animorphs specifically Cassie have to be in human form which doesn't give off morphing energy, whatever that is.
2: It's their base form.
1: Right, but, like, if they've been altered in such a way that they could, like... Like, why would they not give off the morphing energy in their normal base forms if they're capable of morphing from there? Like, is it, like, a Z-space radiation? Maybe it's are a you Z-space radiation?
2: Ra- are you questioning the science, or are you questioning, like, like the, the reliability of this journal?
1: Without the sort of, like, sciencey explanation that I was hoping to get from a chi or something like this in the course of this book... What's going on here makes no sense, it doesn't fit into the model that we've come to understand as casual readers slash students of the Animorphs, right? Like
0: I do think that they are being like a little suspiciously vague about the technology that's being used to track them. So that does make me wonder if maybe it was not actually the Helmicrons thing that they repaired, maybe it was something else that the Yerkes invented or something and... The reason that they're being vague is because, like, they don't want people to know how, like, the Animorphs, when, you know, they wrote this up, especially when Cassie edited and published everything, uh, she didn't want anyone to be able to, like, reverse engineer the technology used to track people in Morph.
1: Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense in retrospect. You don't want to necessarily, like, showcase a vulnerability in technology that you're still currently using and that yeah. has been used in military applications.
2: So you before. think it's t- it's intentional, Cassandra? I think that makes sense. Parker was just sort of questioning it, and I'm like, I guess I think it's think possibility.
0: I think part of it might just be that Their kids and none of them are like professional engineers who know exactly how this technology works, especially because it's like the Helmicrons technology. It's not even like something that they've really seen hands on. But it does seem like very vague, like even more vague than usual. And I don't remember if they were also vague when they talk about it in the book with the Helmicrons because I don't remember things. But I wouldn't be surprised if they were being really vague and maybe hiding the actual origins of the technology just to keep people from using it on them.
1: That makes sense. Because, like, if, like, the Helmicrons can detect some sort of morphing energy and that that creates, like, a situation where they have to kind of, like, demorph and then remorph and run a lot and then demorph and <laughs> get it, like, rest and de- remorph and run a lot, right? Like, if that's the case, then I don't believe for a hot second that uh, the Yorks wouldn't have that technology backed up in some capacity such that they couldn't sort of just, like, put it on all of their helicopters and then it would just become, they would just be hunted Animals.
2: My impression was that they had literally taken the Helmicron sensor from the Helmicron ship and yeah. repurposed it in with the helicopter, which I assume they couldn't replicate because it's too small.
1: <laughs> right, which seems really incredibly reckless, but that said, this is the invasion of Earth that's being led by Visser Three. <laughs> He's done stuff like this before. It seems like it went from, like, very zero to 100 at the beginning.
0: Yeah, she's, like, one day she's having, like, a totally normal day, and the next minute it's, like, gotta go now. Yeah, that's
2: what I think is terrifying about it. I, I highlighted that in my description of this to this, yeah. just, like, these kids can be having a normal day, and then if they're not going on the offensive, they can find out about stuff at the last second and, like, nearly die.
0: Yeah, Yeah. how, like, grueling this was. It reminded me a lot of a few journals ago when it's the basically Atlantis journal. Um, mm-hmm. And they they, like, have to keep morphing orcas and then, like, get ripped apart, go back up to the surface, demorph, remorph, go back down. And it was just, it was horrible to read. It was exhausting and brutal.
2: And this book is so graphic and brutal and intense like the stuff that happens to them and the other creatures is just like it's so violent oh my god
1: yeah and i think that's partially cassie's lens uh because i actually feel like this journal didn't have as many descriptions of how exhausting it is to like constantly demorph and remorph as yeah because
2: she's had, um, she has higher stamina for it probably yeah
1: but it is definitely sort of cassie's sort of like Generalized empathy for all things alive. That uh, makes everything more
2: scary. You think?
1: Yeah, definitely heightens this whole situation. <laughs> you had an interesting question about like sort of the origin of the morphing tech and like why that was created and like what the, what that was. Do we want to do? We want to get back to that. It's, I do.
2: I do wonder that, considering like we see. A non-sentient animal who has the morphing technology morph and be, like, <laughs> terrified and then also posit, like, I think the fact that, like, this thing morphs, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but there's definitely probably some question that we can get into of a deep philosophical nature. So
0: I'm yet again going to compare real world events to a fictional book for dubious reasons, but this reminded me a lot of this book series by Seanan McGuire under the pen name Mira Grant, um, which is like her horror pen name. The Parasitology series. Does anyone care about getting like a solidly enjoyable take on the zombie apocalypse trilogy
1: spoiled for them? I'm gonna go to the bathroom. And I'll come back at the 18 minute and 59 second mark when the spoilers are over. That's 18 minutes and 59 seconds. I'll be right back.
0: Bye. So this, in this series, the premise is that everyone has these tapeworms implanted in their intestines and they're like genetically engineered tapeworms that like release medications and stuff. So Sal, Sally has one, uh, cause she has a seizure disorder. And then one day, she has a seizure behind the wheel because she hides her seizure disorder, so um, her license like, should have limits on it, but it doesn't. And crashes her car and is like brain dead, except then all of a sudden, miraculously, she wakes up and she has lost all of her memories um, and does not remember anything and is like a very different person because she's kind of rebuilding from scratch but it's a miracle. They thought she would never wake up, blah, 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 blah. Well, you find out, I think at the end of the first book, that actually the reason this miracle happened is because her tapeworm implant in her stomach took over her brain, so now she is a tapeworm operating with, like, the advanced operating system of a human brain.
2: Oh my god, that is so- It's really cool,
0: but it also kind of makes her relationship with the dude that she has a relationship with a little weird. (laughs)
2: Well, right. I guess that's basically like there's a couple questions here, which are like this probably had to happen in the testing of creating morphic technology, and does that justify its existence? No. And I think that this is like an objectively bad thing to have an animal unknowingly piloting a different body. That just seems wrong. Like
1: yeah, I think I think basically everybody could agree that that's
2: <laughs> that that's bad. That that's really suboptimal. A human is able to imagine like itself and maintain consciousness just fine, and imagine itself and the animal sort of cohabitating this body together. Whereas like Kathy's human brain is just subsumed into the ant consciousness when she like accidentally lets the ant acquire her. I just that's so horrifying that like this like there's this consciousness that's just not ready to be able to like handle another thing's brain. Not that it's, like, lesser. Well, I think, and specifically in ants' case, they just, like, they don't, they lack a consciousness. And and she talks about this in in the journal, that, like, the ant is, for its whole existence, part of something down to its core in its brain, like, in its nervous system. It is not, like, a complete thing. When it's mashed together with this human that's, like, fully autonomous, it, just imagine, like, that is... (laughs) Yeah. That's so messed up. So, like, I kind of feel like I just start to question when this technology was made, do they have to account for that? Did they have to experiment with that? They must have had to, right?
0: I think it also makes you think a lot about, like, the nature of, like, I don't know, like, thought and sentience I guess because it's like what happens if you give some animal like in this case a water buffalo access to like the really impressive in many ways like processing power of a human brain like sentience and intelligence and who you are like could any animal if given the ability to like put its thoughts in a human brain like become like human in some way because now they're working with a human brain and all of those connections
2: that we're really good at and stuff i don't know it's wild i'm not a neuroscientist i'm not either but i think the question's really interesting like every cassie book obviously (laughs) brings up something new because her perspective is really interesting and her moral quandaries always make me doubt my sanity a little bit
1: but, <laughs> yeah, the, the, jo- the joke i
2: was gonna make is you ruined a
1: perfectly good bug soldier is what you did look at it it's living an existential nightmare
2: right exactly <laughs> like i mean this the comparison is made all the time but like what if we just became the elemist all of a sudden and like didn't have a corporeal form but could manipulate like our our ability to control time and space were sort of as easy as the ability to like look around or whatever it's just this book i oh my god it's like the whole journal is just them like running 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 and like every chapter just just like some other horror that i'm like oh my god i have to stop reading this (laughs) and i just it's so uh, i kind of feel like this journal was pointless in one way or the other because like nothing i mean what did nothing happens like they just almost die a bunch
1: (laughs) Like, they do remove an important piece of your technology from play. Mm -hmm, That's true. Or a bird does. A bird bird. does. Yeah. uh, Shout out to that one seagull for completely (laughs) saving the day.
0: Sacrifice their life for the cause. Yeah.
1: um, The only true American hero. Your question about the morph. or more questions about the morphic technology. Like, based on what we know about the Hort-Bajir Chronicles. Like, we know that the morphing technology was developed within the same sort of time frame that y- the Yerks became, like, uh, intergalactic power, right? Which makes me wonder, like, was the morphing tech specifically designed to combat the Yerks, or was it just a generalized piece of Andalite tech that they were working on already, and that were like, hey, maybe this would be useful? Because if it was purpose-built to fight the Yerks, then maybe don't you think that that effort could have been better spent on like a nano machine that like zaps anything tries to get into your ear canal
0: i think it also kind of goes back to something that cassie talked about a little and that we've also debated once or twice where cassie is like is there actually any difference between being a yerk and morphing because in a way when you're morphing you're kind of just creating an animal that you then take over which I think there is a difference and I think that morphing is like much better but between like morphing and involuntary controlling Mm -hmm. but and we had talked about how like in a way sort of the yerk's ability to involuntarily control people and the analyte morphing are sort of like twisted mirrors of each other
1: I guess you're able to sort of interact with the same animal that you've just morphed in a social capacity whereas you can't do that with you know, a Yurk situation. Cassie's able to sort of, like, interact with the Chapmanilow and, like, actually sort of, like, communicate with it using Buffalo sort of terminology. Like, she's able to sort of use buffalo social structure to indicate, like, hey, I'm your herd, now come with me, you know? She's able to have a mutualistic relationship with this thing, right? Which you cannot, like, you can't... Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. I guess I, I think I don't... you can as uh, with a the... yeah. Uh, it's not the same we, though. We know
0: from the journals that you can have, and from real life. But like, even if we're just like limiting ourselves to the era of the journals, we know that you can have a mutualistic relationship with a yerk that is in your brain.
1: But in order to do that, you have to sacrifice your autonomy. No party in a a relationship between two morphing creatures or one morphing creature and like one non-morphing creature. Like nothing is being given up there. Like the morphing creature- Tell that to David.
2: Yeah, I would disagree with that highly. Like they talk about trying to manage the creature's instincts and instinct instincts are a big part of psychology so no but i'm saying s- that
1: the that the creature that is morphed right the creature whose dna
2: is sort of acquired doesn't like doesn't lose anything but there isn't like there is a new consciousness that's created when you morph
0: okay i think you two are talking about different things slightly so parker you're talking about like creature prime the one you morph from but you don't have to do anything to mm-hmm.
2: right no i i know that she's talking about oh, that. okay okay that's fine. That's valid. Like, no, the in or, the animal is not harmed. But this new animal body that you've created does have to just sort of, like, chill while you run around and hang out as it.
0: Yeah, and that was the thing that Cassie had talked about in a much, much earlier journal.
2: I don't know that they're comparable, but there is, like... certain degree of consciousness that has to be considered
0: i think in many ways they might be more similar than they are different
2: i just don't see an ethical qualm regarding
1: acquiring a creature and then being able to interact with that creature like outside of obviously you know if you do it in the context of like if you morph a human that creates some like social complications you know but like the creature that you are morphing does not suffer whereas the other person in a like the the the, the person who is infested by a yurk like loses a whole bunch of like freedom you know well sure well but... yeah
0: but i think we're not comparing the original animal we're not comparing the original animal and the human being infested involuntarily we're comparing like the morphed creation animal right okay and so in that asking case asking if is that actually an animal in and of itself That you're kind of downloading your consciousness into like an existing animal.
1: Well, then that begs the question where does that animal go when you demorph?
0: Maybe you kill it. Maybe every time they demorph, they're actually killing an animal. That would be really fun. I don't think. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. But can you imagine how they (laughs) would have reacted, especially like Cassie, if they had found that out partway through the journals, all of a sudden they find out that they are creating and killing a whole animal every time they morph and demorph. Like the things that people always say about the transporters in Star Trek.
2: Oh, my God
1: that's a that, that's a spiritual issue I don't know if we could sort of discuss
2: that I think well the closest... maybe they're kind of a similar question well like I think do that... you think that this body has like what amount because it doesn't have any lived experiences when it's morphed
0: so they're killing babies.
1: No, oh my
2: They're god! They're not even babies. They're just not... all
1: right. So, so, so I think that a more useful sort of point of comparison here, uh, in, in examining the condition of an animal that one morphs, and like the the body that one has when one morphs, and whatever instincts reside there, is that you know that's that's a relationship between your conscious mind and the autonomous processes of the body that you're in, right? Those autonomous processes in and of themselves. You mean automatic
2: don't... processes or autonomous?
1: The autonomous ones—the things that just kind of happen. Do you mean
2: autonomic?
1: The autonomic processes. There, we I think know, go, that's. I the do. Think
0: <laughs> we right. got yeah. there. The autonomic. <laughs> like,
1: like, so the like your instincts and like your drives and like the chemical component of your brain. I would argue are not what makes you you.
2: But they are a part well, of you. Well. But they, I they think are they a part are of a you. But I, I think I'm, they
0: are a significant factor because different people's autonomic nervous systems work differently. Like I know some people whose autonomic nervous systems have various dysfunctions. And, for example, like, um, one of the main ways that that can work is sort of putting them in, like, a permanent physical fight-or-flight mode that involves, like, a lot of stuff. And that definitely, I mean, it makes them, like, chronically ill and exhausted for one thing, but, like, one of my friends who has this had to, like, apologize to me because it also makes her really irritable as like part of her whole heart condition with the autonomic nervous system stuff and that's like because it makes her irritable and it always makes her irritable that is in many ways like a significant part of who she is like she's my friend who has a short temper but the dysfunction of her autonomic nervous system
1: sure and you could hypothetically like you could hypothetically morph a creature that has some sort of other like, thing going on there that wouldn't, that would be, like, I I feel like what I can only imagine would be a different sort of, like, the process of having that animal's sort of instincts and consciousness would be fundamentally different for those reasons, right? But that, in and of itself, doesn't constitute a person. It does when, on a long enough timescale, when you live in a body like that, then that becomes part of you, and that informs who you are. But that's that's impossible in a morph because you, unless you become an offlet, right? David is part rat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean at this point the rat that David acquired and is now stuck in the morph of or I mean was at the time probably like over a long enough time span will probably change his personality. Yeah. I mean I mean we see it with Tobias. Yeah. Tobias's personality is markedly different because he's a birdman now. I thought he was always just being melodramatic. I mean no, that's because he's <laughs> Well, a no, cuz
0: I th- I think he yeah. <laughs> I think he used to be like much more chill. Not not chill, but like much less focused,
1: I guess. So we can't necessarily chalk that up to him being a teen because he hasn't fully puberted yet, right? And he will never. That's true. Because he's a hawk. That's messed up, yo. <laughs> so that's actually probably more just like his own existential <laughs> sort of like... Does from your
2: OG body in Z space?
0: Guys, 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 guys. listen, listen, listen. <clears> that's a good question, though. If you become stuck in the body of a red-tailed hawk, and never actually fully go through puberty, are you on hawkers?
2: Hawkers? Puberty hawkers? Instead of
1: blockers!
2: Oh my god. Oh god. I'm gonna give you a three on that one. Yeah.
0: Tobias is like, I don't wanna go through puberty, you know, I'm feeling some gender feelings, I'm just gonna go on puberty hawkers.
1: (laughs) You can't, you can't become an athlete to Maybe you can actually. Oh my god, I don't think that that's. I think that there are. Okay, never mind. Anyway, so you had an actually, you had a point that was that you were attempting to make there. Puberty hawkers. Oh my god.
2: (laughs) Um, I already said it. Okay,
1: so like, I mean, we can't know ultimately, but I feel like the sort of like autonomic functions that create like sort of instincts and drives and like the things that are going on in your brain don't necessarily constitute you my
0: view on this which might be a little bit different from like cassie's view but my view is that it's not like you're creating a whole new animal to control and that it is like Morally, ethically, I can never remember the difference between those two, like, better than involuntarily controlling a person or animal or anything. (laughs) But I do think that when they, like, sort of create an animal body, morph into an animal body, and create this whole new animal, it's not like a fully realized animal. But it's That's a little gatekeepy, don't you think? It's... I'm gonna ignore (laughs) you. It's not (laughs) a blank slate, either. And I think it's... It's not... Not... a person slash fully realized animal, if you know what I mean. It's like, it's like way there. No, I was just saying, it, it, it is maybe a little bit like you're puppeting a baby around.
1: I don't, I hate that. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Instead of me continuing to talk about that thing I hate, I'm going to pose another thorny question about this, which uh-huh. is that if I'm corrected, it is like a thing where like the instincts and stuff come from the autonomic processes. When they morph, do their own autonomic processes like, I mean, they theoretically in this model are subsumed by those of the element, but they exist sidelong. So does that change
2: the brain? <laughs> I thought about this as well. Does this change I, I... the brain chemistry? So Tobias is a nothlet, but his sure. mass is still hanging out in space. Oh, don't his... put it like that. Oh, jeez.
0: <laughs> it is. It <laughs> this is. This it's bubble there. of Tobias goo.
2: His little body is there in Z space.
0: <laughs> That's so gross. I love it. <laughs> I wonder if it. Wait, guys, 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 guys. I wonder if it's still there. It is. <laughs>
2: I saw it the other day.
0: So no, Tobias'
2: no. b- little brain no. in, his little, in his little 12-year-old body, his little 12-year-old brain is controlling the hawk. So my guess is that it's still running, but it doesn't age, like, physically. So let's say somehow da- David is given the ability to morph back into himself, right? Okay, sure. If he morphs back into himself using that mass, it will not have aged. And therefore, he will still be like this, like little brat, twelve-year-old kid. Where oh, all the rest of them have turned into like super powerful high schoolers, and they can beat him up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah.
0: Well, because that's something I've always wondered: is like how, in general, morphing affects age. Both because, like, you'd think if morphing really heals everything. It would also like heal their like telomeres or whatever it is and they would all come out of morphing as babies (laughs) (laughs) which obviously isn't happening well yeah but that's the thing is like if they're sort of like they for example like with the bulls like they acquired the bulls and the bulls have been castrated but when they morphed they had not been castrated they were Mm -hmm. full-on bulls with with angry boy nuts so (laughs) We were so close! (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to just breeze past that, like, I didn't say anything, but yeah, okay, anyway. Let's say you, like, acquire the DNA of a really old animal, or, like, an injured animal, or whatever, it's, as far as I can tell, like, when they morph, they sort of morph into, like, a version of the animal that's, like, in prime condition, very healthy, prime condition, but, like, you know, good condition for fighting, healthy, young, blah, 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 um... But like if it heals
2: everything. Well does it can you fix telomeres though? Is that like possible? I don't know. I I just think think it'd be
0: really funny if the first time they tried to morph they (laughs) turned into like puppies. They're like, oh yeah man, we're gonna beat the year because puppies
2: I think it holds your DNA. I don't know enough about biology. Yeah. I don't know. The problem is I'm just
0: totally spitballing and I know nothing about like biochem.
2: I think the animal ages with you when you age. Really? Really? Yeah, because it's in your blood. So the DNA is just hanging out in your blood. So I think that the DNA ages. I
1: mean, DNA does eventually degrade as you age.
0: Can I just say, speaking of the whole, like, ooh, DNA in your blood, I was really, like, grossed out by the way that suddenly, now that the buffa human or whatever has human DNA in its blood, that's when Cassie is, like oh, well, it has human DNA in its blood, so now I have to care about it or something? I was like, what the heck? I
1: would concur that that's flagrant speciesism. Yeah. It's it's Yeah, I was like, do you not care about, like,
0: your horcruge, your friends? Do you not care about other animals? I, like, I forget exactly how she says it, but it's basically a bunch of them are just like, oh, it has, like, human DNA in its blood, so it's, like, more like us now, and we should care about it more. I'm like, what? (laughs) What?
2: (laughs) That seems very anti-Cassie, too, so I don't really know what was up with that.
0: Her, her her anxious teenage brain saw the ability to have a moral dilemma and just went for it <laughs> yeah so
1: too. that's how it works <laughs> no one uses fax machines but call you'll hear the noise statues left by ancient
0: Greeks the perfect cheeks of God
1: Couple more things that I struggle with. Would Cassie not notice if she's being acquired?
0: Yeah, I like if I had had more time, I wanted to go back and reread the section where the ant crawls on the box and like touches her to see if she has like any time where she mentions like, oh, I felt sleepy or oh, I felt nope. chill. But I didn't go back and look. There's really? nothing. There. I
1: can I can confirm that there's nothing there. Like, hmm. is the
2: ant fake? Is that is that fake? Did that happen? Maybe. uh oof. I'm
0: I'm willing to go for the ant being fake. Because nah, that I just mean, seems
2: like they had like uh, some extra space in the journal and they're like, well, this one i pretty straightforward. This straight one forward. was really
0: short. This one was really short, I
1: noticed when I was reading it.
2: I... I don't think the ant is
1: fake. (laughs) If I were her in this situation, I would want to keep the scar from this because that sounds like a gnarly scar of being like grabbed by ant pincers of your weird ant clone double. That would be rad.
2: Um, I hate that.
0: What a mood. That ant woke up with a whole new terrifying consciousness and chose murder. I aspire to that.
1: (laughs) That's a good point. People do, people morph ants recreationally and that still boggles my brain. Oh That's yeah, dumb. I remember. Is it recreationally or is it
2: self destructively?
1: <laughs> I don't don't even don't make me answer that. I don't know. I don't want to get it. I don't want to go there. I don't I don't want to mess with the recreational ant community, really. <laughs> Those folks are a little bit beyond the pale. In the same way that the Buffett human is now the chat manilo, the Aunt Cassie should be the Cassandra
0: We don't actually her full name is just Cassie. Like, her parents just named her Cassie.
1: Cassandra <gasps> Oh my god. And,
0: Does anyone want to hear a, a really dark thought? sure lay it on me uh okay it's a dark thought about
2: suicide oh okay
0: <laughs> do you still want to hear the dark thought about suicide <laughs> sure so when cassie's like trapped and she's thinking about how the yurks are gonna like put a yurk in her brain and use it to find out all the information about the animorphs blah 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 i was sitting there like you know i bet that the animorphs have at some point had to have a talk about like what is the appropriate time in a mission when you are pretty sure you're going to be captured and all hope is lost to try and kill yourself to prevent oh the Erks God. from getting all the information in your brain
2: yeah I think that their goal is to just prioritize secrecy and saving every single one of them over everything else pretty much
0: yeah which is like a pretty good strategy considering how few people they have
2: I would say yeah like <laughs> you don't want to make contingencies just absolutely make sure it doesn't happen
0: yeah but as we see here, they almost don't succeed in making sure it doesn't happen, and she might have had to make that choice if things
1: had gone differently.
2: I know. Yeah, it's crazy.
1: They've stolen a plane for her and crashed it into a skyscraper.
2: I know that was sick. That like, was Cassie rad. went and saved Aftran and also other. They've like they've all all been saved from the Yerk pool at some point. At this point, yeah. <laughs> I think it, I feel like if it were me, and I'd been. Doing this war for this long, it would all just blend together. I would just be like, "Oh, what? Yeah, we probably did that. Oh God, I don't remember." <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: but yeah, that was like kind of my uh, dark thought of the day.
2: well thanks. Maybe we should do that at the beginning of every class discussion as well. With your name, your God, pronouns, your no. fun fact, and your dark thought, dark thought, of, the thought of the day. day.
0: <laughs> the long dark thought
2: of the soul. I was just thinking, like, what's your dark night of the soul? <laughs> <laughs> Mine was about, about an hour and a half ago when I was considering not going and buying a salted pretzel.
1: So, the chap death is both, like, dramatic and anticlimactic, and it's really wild. Isn't death
2: always that way?
1: It's just, True. like, it's rendered in such a blasé... It's not even with, like, a like a, like a a sparseness of language thing, it's just literally, like, and then the buffalo exploded because a dracon bean <laughs> killed it. I... And then the dracon bean blew up the buffalo. It's just, wow, okay, I guess.
0: I cannot for the life of me remember if either of you have read this webcomic called Homestuck, but there's this webcomic called That's Homestuck... That's a name
1: I haven't heard in a long time.
0: <laughs> okay, so I'll take that as a Yes. So it's this webcomic and one of the things that I think is really, it's like, it's very patchy in terms of quality, um, but one of the things that I do think is a really effective like part of the writing style of the author is that a lot of time when something like very big and dramatic and like upsetting and heavily emotional happens, he actually really sort of retreats to like a very, very understated plain sort of style of writing. Um, that I think in a way really, because it's so understated, really drives the emotion home. So this actually reminded me a lot of that.
1: I don't know. I think the stereotypical sort of utilizer of that trope is Hemingway, which, like, I can't speak to oh, because I've never read any Hemingway. Hemingway because he's...
0: I've read Hemingway bunk. and it sucks.
1: Yeah. Uh, but, like, there's that. There's that sort of sparsity of language. And then there's... And then the Dracon B blew up the book. <laughs>
0: Okay, fair. I think it happens very, very quickly. And it's also, I don't know. I do feel like that is something that these journals suffer from, maybe because they're written by kids. I think they do sometimes shy away from, like, uh, stuff like that. Uh, kind of similar to how they often, the journals end very quickly.
1: Yeah. It and feels like we sometimes stuff is just very abrupt.
0: <laughs> and then we were at the beach again. What if the whole time this has all been, been just, like, one long like groundhog day cycle
1: what is groundhog day
0: can i talk about groundhog day thanks what is
1: groundhog day
0: can i talk about groundhog day thanks
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm trying to play into this
0: (laughs) no i know (laughs) um come on anyway so if I can actually talk about Groundhog Day for a second. Um, well, it's a
1: Groundhog mo- Day?
0: I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you'd stop asking me. Um, so Groundhog Day is like a surprisingly good movie about this guy who like, there's like the whole thing about the groundhog, sticks its head up and whether or not it looks at its shadow, something, something, in winter, whatever, I don't care. But the guy like goes to report on the groundhog, at, on Groundhog Day and gets stuck in, like, a time loop where he has to live the day over and over again. So anyway, what if all along the Animorphs journals were actually a catalog of a time loop where just they always end up back at the beach? Like, they run a mission, and then they're just back at the beach.
2: Oh, no. This is
0: just 100% me goofing, but, like... Uh,
1: how in the world is Cassie gonna get out of this one, read her family? Like, I know the the they've got, like, the Chi to cover for them, but I am really shocked that, like, at, that, at like, this point... Nobody's family has had a sit-down chat with them where they're like, "Okay, what's going on?" Like, especially Cassie's family. Like, yeah how do you how do you explain just being like,
2: "Oh, fine," <laughs> and then there's all this buffalo nonsense and.
1: Uh, and then my last bit is that uh, chapter twenty-two is full of comedy, and most of it is Marco's and it's bad but every once in a while Axe says something that is just so so good and so funny. Uh,
0: yeah, I feel like Axe was really funny, right? Towards the end say? of this book.
1: I he just this, he like, starts he starts
0: finally figuring out how to joke.
1: Uh, oh, them! You missed all the fireworks, Cassie. Marco said, swimming circles around us. One minute we're watching this whale the size of a FedEx truck drop dropping out of the sky, and we're thinking, "Uh oh, she's not big enough to take that that helicopter and live through it." Uh, you weren't thinking it; you were screaming it, Rachel said sweetly, <laughs> uh, screeching like a bad set of brakes. Jake teased, emitting a loud and continual series of high-pitched shrieks similar to an unauthorized entry into a dome ship airlock. Ax added. Well, it was an accurate comparison, he said defensively. Like. <laughs> And then the, there's a bit where he says your humor is highly overrated, and I thought that he was specifically talking about Marcos' humor because Marcos' humor in this chapter is awful.
0: Yeah, he's he's not on his best game.
1: Also, Ax describes uh, the buffalo as a huge problem in this book, which seems very like culture. Counter- <laughs> like it's it seems huge like a moral
2: thing. problem. <laughs> yeah, but it seems
1: like a, a like another sort of linguistic thing that he's picked up from his human friends because I don't think he's yeah. ever described it anything else as like huge, especially in a non-literal oh, context like this.
2: Maybe he was trying to make
0: a
1: joke. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, he's working up to it.
0: There were like multiple lines, like things that the the kids said in this book that really felt to me like they were very thematic for the whole series. Um, Marco has a bit about how he hates this and it just doesn't stop about like the sort of extended chase scene that is this journal. Mm. But that's also kind of applicable to like everything. And then they're talking about like the various moral and ethical dilemmas and Rachel's like, I hate these kinds of questions. There are never concrete answers. And there's also a part later where they talk about how there's a difference between like the right thing and the necessary thing, specifically playing back into the Cassie-Rachel dichotomy um which i feel like is a huge huge theme throughout the journals of like the right thing versus the necessary thing especially pertaining to like marco's sort of um i always want to say thin blue line and i'm like no that's (laughs) something different and it's bad and we don't like it but his like clear line yeah
1: uh, his quote unquote pragmatism
0: yeah girl boss Girl boss Marco <laughs> is Marco a girl boss? Girl boss
1: Marco morph
0: I so actually kind of related to our constant ongoing debate about war crimes I do have um, a point that I thought of like basically on the first page because like every single time we read one of those these journals pretty much almost every time the kid's open by like recapping the situation right and they talk about like the Yerks and how evil the Yerks are and this always bothers me every time we read it and I periodically bring it up. And i think uh, what i've realized is like honestly they could change like one word and i would be like way cooler with it because it's not even just like i get that at this time historically like probably 90 percent of yurks are the bad guys there are still groups of yurks nowadays that are the bad guys presumably somewhere out there in the universe that we don't you know have contact with but like the so i get that historically in this context like 90 percent of the yurks are the bad guys And of the other 10%, a lot of them are, like, really not, you know, as hashtag resistant as they should be. But, like, they do still know that some of the Yerks are, like, actively working within the Yerk empire to try and take it down from the inside. So the- I wish literally when the kids, like, narrate- because it sort of just feels like they're not, like, learning and their attitude towards Yerks is very static because- Literally, if they just said, like, most yerks are like a disease, I would still have issues with the disease thing. Because I think comparing any population of people to a disease, like, inevitably goes bad places. But, like, if it was just, you know, most yerks are evil. Most yerks are the bad guys. Most yerks, you know, infest people involuntarily. Like, I would be fine, because it's not even just because I'm always like, hashtag not all Yerks. It's also just like, it's, it's factually inaccurate. And I think it's actually just the factual inaccuracy that is bothering me even more than like, the fact that I think that they are way too harsh towards an entire varied and diverse population.
2: Yeah, it just seems kind of frustrating that it was like, it's, it's kind of like been printed multiple ways. It's conflicting. Ways.
0: Yeah.
1: I see your most Yerks, and I raise you the Yerk Empire.
0: Yes, yes, actually that's perfect, Parker. You're exactly right. If they said the Yerk Empire is like a disease. And I even feel like I would be okay with the disease comparison because you're talking about the power structure. There you go. It's sort of like the shift in the twenty twenties that kind of went from like in like feminism, that went from like all men are bad to like not doing that and also understanding that men can be like allies and feminists as well because it's kind of the thing of like there were there are so many men who are not bad and there were so many who, men who are not bad then and there are also people like of various marginalizations men and non-men who are harmed in various ways by like all men are bad rhetoric but it's just like it's like saying no it's the patriarchy versus all men it's like i am aware that like historically men on the whole have been probably douchier than women and whatever but like there's plenty of men that I like. I it's
2: it's the system of masculinity under the patriarchy, I think, what people are referencing. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: exactly. But I feel As like... it's all bad. Yeah. And I feel like if you're saying men are all bad and you actually, you 100% know what you mean, you're making it clear what you mean is, like, the system of patriarchy, and you're not, like, letting that sort of bleed into your thoughts, that's fine, but, like, so many people who are like, all men are bad, then, like, actually act like that, and then they're like... Butch lesbians are bad. People who turn out to be, like, closeted trans women are bad. All men are bad, including men of color.
1: It also, there's, like, a cultural aspect to it in terms of, like, your audience, like, who you're saying it in front of. Yeah, Um, Because, you know, different things mean different things within different contexts.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I really wonder, because, like, we know of all the Animorphs, Cassie was always the, like, sort of peacemaker and was the one who was most willing to work with the Yerks, and work with Aftran especially, and was the one who was the most willing to be like, uh, maybe not forgiving at least, but willing to accept that some Yerks might be okay. So I would not actually be surprised if the like repetitive over and over again beginning of almost every journal like all Yerks are bad things a later edition by someone else, maybe during like one of the various waves of like really really heavy anti-Yerk sentiment, that Mm -hmm. was like politically weaponized a few years ago by like a few years ago i mean decades ago but i feel like cassie would have at least made somewhat of a distinction and so i wonder if the versions that we've been um working off of that are you know the regular and normal versions that we downloaded normally off the class website the regular ones um, yes yep normal ones yep might have been edited during i think it was like the 2060s where that was there was that huge wave of anti-yerk sentiment that was really just like a cover for a lot of xenophobia because you can like claim that anyone's being controlled by a yerk and no one can prove it so you can just be like oh you're my political enemy you're controlled by a yerk i'm gonna lock you up for your own safety thank you
2: i'm just interested as to why it's inconsistent like within the editions that we've been reading Next
1: week we're reading volume 40, The Other, for featuring Marco morphing into an adorable little honeybee on the cover. Oh man, next week's book is great. The middle, the middle sort of thing here is when I'm forced to participate in family holiday events, like what I feel like inside. <laughs> like, placid expression. Is there some significance to the fact that there are always five <laughs> stages in the morph on the covers?
0: Or, like, in quotes, looks good.
1: (laughs) I mean, it does allow for a progression of, uh, sort of three between the end cap Mm -hmm. of fully one and fully the other. And it just fills out the page. Yeah, it fills out the page. Until next time, stay safe, everybody.
0: Bye, stay safe. Bye, stay safe. Bye. The Morph Report is on Patreon. We care a lot about accessibility, and we are paying someone to transcribe all of our episodes. We have a variety of tiers to choose from. Some of our tiers have some pretty juicy rewards. For example, if you pay enough money, you can even force us to watch the TV show and potentially read the other series by K.A. Applegate and Michael Grant, Everworld. We would really love it if you would check us out and consider supporting us. Thank you. Stay safe.
1: Thanks to Noelle Miccarelli for the use of their songs Comic Book Girl, Off the EP Field Notes from Another Place, and Complicated Spoon. You can find more of their music at noelmacarelli.bandcamp.com. The Morph Report is hosted by Marina Malucci, Scrivener Lamb, and Blythe. You can follow us on Twitter at Morph Report. If you have a question for the Podmorphs, tweet at us or send us an email and we'll answer it on the show. Our email is themorphreport at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Is a waste of land.
0: Stop in Armageddon like a comic book girl. Dead on page eleven like a comic book girl. Hey!
2: Hey! 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 Do you love the Animorph series? How about podcasts? Do you love podcasts? Well, then listen no further, dear listener, and allow me to introduce the Animorphs Podcast Directory. Here you'll find an ever-growing list of Animorphs-themed podcasts to sit your every Animorphin desire. Check it out. We'll see you there.
1: What is Groundhog Day?
0: Can I talk about Groundhog Day? Thanks. What is Groundhog Day? Can I talk about Groundhog Day? Thanks.
1: What (laughs) What is Groundhog Day?
0: So if I can actually talk about Groundhog Day for a second.
1: What is Groundhog Day?